Hello, movie fans. Dimitri Panos here for another Anatomy of a Movie in the Popcorn Talk Network. It's boots to the ground, people, as today we talk about Hacksaw Ridge. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Meet the Movie Press. That's the wrong one. Well... As much as I'd like to be part of the movie That's press. That's the wrong one. <laughs> oh, we should probably redo that. Yeah. It's, it's okay. No, no, don't stop the stream. Just start us over and we'll turn in the beginning. Um, go to the left. The left side. Go to A. Under anatomy of a movie, go to A. Right now you're in M. Go to A. Oh, this is great music, by the way. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only good thing. <laughs> Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring yeah, movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn so, like, talk. to start us we at the beginning, movies. like, we're going to do the whole thing. Right here's now. Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Gotta Yay. love it. Going again. Hey, movie fans, welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network's Anatomy of a Movie. Boots to the ground, people. Today, we're going to dive into Hacksaw Ridge. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Hello, folks and movie fans. Dimitri Panos here, host for Anatomy of a Movie, where today we are going to talk and dissect Hacksaw Ridge. Please help uh, welcome me. Say hello to uh, our esteemed hosts who are going to help me through this through this war. War is <laughs> hell, people, but hopefully this Anatomy of a Movie will not be. To my far right, say hello. Introduce yourself. Say hey. Is hello, everybody. <laughs> I am Marissa Serafini. You can follow me on Twitter at Serafini TV. And I am Emily Harlan. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at OMG. It's MLE. And Marissa, we've been doing this forever. Look at this. Forever. So We're back again. Charm. We're back again. Back to back. Very nice. So uh, today we're going to talk about Mel Gibson's Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, and uh, as we start off every show, um, we're going to talk about our opinions. Uh, so I'm going to start off with you, Marissa. Uh, what did you think of Hacksaw Ridge? Well, I was very excited to see this. I've known about this film for some some time now. I've known about it since probably the summer. And, uh, you know, I saw the trailer and I thought it looked amazing. I'm probably going to really like this movie. I went into it and I walked out and I loved the movie. It was so well done on all fronts um and even the front and line uh but <laughs> no pun intended but it it was just so beautifully shot well acted the story was great there was a great balance of humor along with the violence of it all it was good it struck a good balance and i was i like I went into it not really knowing like how faith based it was going to be and i walked out of it like surprisingly and you know surprised by that but like i enjoyed it and i think it was just a really really well done film and i've been telling everyone this past week to go <laughs> see it because it's such a good film 
Emily, what about yourself? Yeah, I I 100% agree uh, with you. And I did not know a whole lot about this film going into it. I had heard from other people that had seen it that it was a really great film. So I thought, okay, I need to go see this movie. And, uh, you know, that always makes me nervous when I hear such high reviews for a film because I feel like then when I go see it, it's my expectations are a little too high and I kind of come out of it going, oh, well, it wasn't as great as everyone says, but it absolutely was as great as everyone said. I think so. And um, I just, I think it's very fitting that we're talking about this movie on Veterans Day um, so that I I liked the kind of message like you were talking about the whole faith-based and just with where we're at right now as a society in the world, just really showing somebody who is not giving up on their convictions and speaking out for what they believe is right, um, I thought was an awesome message. And um, yeah, I walked out of it just kind of floored. Um, You know, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, okay, we all know war is hell is purported by many a war movie. I have to say that I I think, has there ever been a faith-based war movie? Um, I think this is one of the first of its kind where it's it was a very much deep-seated into a faith-based movie. And Mel Gibson has made one, uh, and it works, I think, in a savage and even, believe it or not, an artful way. Uh, this isn't Saving Private Ryan, uh, but it carries with it symbolism, uh, inspiration, and it's a coming-of-age story uh, that we've seen in movies like Platoon, The Big Red One, and even Gallipoli. Uh, and there was even a little bit of Gallipoli in this movie, I felt. And he read Badge of Courage. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if I can say this of any other war film, but it also manages on a certain level to be inspirational. Uh, which, again, you know, it's very, you know, rare. Like, I think, I think this is the first faith-based war movie that I've seen. And I think that it was handled very well. And it comes off, uh, you know, I think Mel is a good storyteller. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, yeah. you know that is the bottom line, and I think that he succeeded in this particular movie, where movies such as like Unbroken didn't. You know, mm-hmm. Un- Unbroken in a sense is a warm movie, and it's supposed to be inspirational, and that too, I guess, in a sense, faith based about a man who perseveres uh, a lot of suffering. Uh, but but this movie particularly, you had a great cast, you had really good performances all around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Mel Gibson's direction, I thought, was was right on point. So first movie he's done in 10 years, uh, you know, we should add. Uh, so, yeah, I find it, uh, yeah, it's, it was very well done. Very well done. Agreed. For sure. For sure. So why don't we talk about one of the things I found fascinating about this movie is that this this movie took a 14-year path. To get to where it is today. And it went through many various different hands and and ideas and scripts. And uh, I thought that that aspect of this movie, that it took 14 years to tell this story and to bring it to screen, was an interesting one. Um, from, from, from eight producers, $53 million budget. Um, you know, we had Demarest CEOs, Cross Creek people involved. Uh, then, you know, Mel Gibson's longtime producing partner coming in on board and, uh, you know, what we're going to base this off of writers, uh, you know, I, I just thought that trying to even get the rights from the Adventist church mm-hmm. and from the actual, you know, DOS mm-hmm. to say, to get the yes, to get this movie done, I think was even, you know, a hardship, 
in, in a sense. It was difficult to, yeah. to convince them that this was going to be done the right way. Right. And I think that was some of the... I, I saw a quote that Doss had originally said he didn't want his story to be turned into the typical Hollywood story where they're twisting a bunch of things and not showing the true reasons behind why he did what he did. And so I think that maybe that was part of the the long, you know, process to get here and part of the reason why nobody said yes at first. Um, and, and I think that they did him justice in the sure. end, I think, with, with the telling of the story. Yeah, and I also find it very interesting, too, that, like, again, I always love these stories because, you know, 14 years actually started off at Disney, yeah. Um, you know, this started off at Disney with Bill Mechanic, who who, who funded the first screenplay of this. Um, and they were dissatisfied. They started over again. Uh, they they hired the guy who wrote Braveheart for Mel Gibson, uh, Randall Wallace, and a Polish by this gentleman called Andrew Knight. And it just, you know, it, it got to a point where it, actually Disney said no. Not interested, which is weird for me because I guess they must have had a hard time because on one hand, it f it sort of falls into a Disney wheelhouse of it being that inspirational truth, true story mm -hmm. that they there was a time that they didn't just focus on superheroes and Star Wars and Pixar. You know, they would look for these kind of movies. But the fact that they became disinterested in the story uh, I thought it was sort of kind of fascinating, but that so happens in in this this, mm -hmm. this show of biz. Yeah, but like I liked how Disney was at the start of it because they're a name to listen to and get things off the ground and running. Mm -hmm. So like I appreciate that they played their hand in that. But you know, thinking well, you know after watching the movie, I'm trying to think how Disney would pull it off with being such a violent content type of film and just the story itself is very uplifting at the end but watching it throughout and just seeing how disney would try to manage that. well it's yeah. interesting because after disney it went to walden media and walden media is a very faith-based faith company uh if i'm correct these are the same people that brought us the lion the witch and the wardrobe mm -hmm. Uh, but they specifically said they love the movie, the themes of this movie, but they wanted to make it PG-13, which I think Disney would have also, mm -hmm. had they kept on to it, said, you know, we're, we're going to try to bring a bigger audience. We're going to want it to be PG-13. But Bill Mechanics said that's probably not going to make it as an intense as is real. And there was sort of a clash, but eventually Walden Media... Uh, you know, they didn't want to let it go because they really felt so strongly in the story. But ultimately they did. And they were very gracious about, uh, uh, you know, very gracious about the process and, and giving it back to mechanic. And then, uh, you know, now we're talking about, you know, we're in late night 2014. So uh, and then Oliver's Cross Creek and Johnson's Demarus Mini soon came on board. And then finding Mel Gibson as a producer uh, or, or as a director, I should say, sort of kind of a, a stroke of, of, of it's good, smart thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. he makes good movies. Um, hell, he has perhaps one of the top grossing movies of all time within The Passion of the Christ. Um, so, uh, 
you know, getting him on board, this is a project that interested him, and mm -hmm. it caught him back behind the director's chair, you know, and then the financing, I think, was funny because it all was firmed up at the Berlin Film Festival, and Lionsgate bought the U.S. rights. Uh, so, to me, that, you know, that whole story, 14 years to make, uh, bringing it to screen, passing from studio production company to studio, uh, and getting this screen, you know, getting this this particular story up on screen. I also I wonder if it took Angelina Jolie that long to get Unbroken done, you know, because this Maybe, is a, but an I'll... inspirational tale. You that's, know, as well. I mean, that's true. That's a good point. But also, those are two completely different stories. Like she had a connection to the. The leading man of that movie says, "What was the last name? Starts with the Z. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, yeah, um, him. But, um, but like, those are completely two different stories with different messages. And I mean, but like, I appreciate the fact that it did take so long because that just shows like how much they wanted to get it done mm -hmm. and how much yeah. they wanted to make it. And they, you know, I'm glad it was made yeah. at the end of it. Yeah. No, I, I think that we're all." I think that we're all, uh, you know, as a movie-going audience goes, you know, it's 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 good that it's out there, um, you know, right now and talking about Veterans mm -hmm. Day. You know, I'm actually sort of kind of surprised there isn't. I mean, do you want to pander to that? Do you want to exploit that, that it is Veterans Day? Um, you know, heck, on, on, on like a Turner Classic Movies, you'll show like war movies, uh, mm -hmm. like... As an homage, like like this is a perfect homage to veterans, I think, mm -hmm. uh, and and it gives us a different side, right? You know, and that's I guess what I appreciated it about too. I said we've seen the war as hell, mm -hmm. kind of thing, but it's rare to find something that is can be inspirational. Mm -hmm when you come out of a war right. movie. And that is true. <laughs> that actually happened, you know, yeah. I think is, is just, it adds so much more to this film. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, where were, where were you going to go? Oh, well, like, what I like is just that, because I think Mel Gibson did say a line that, um, there's all these war movies that we see, is that it's always, yes, war is bad, and the people who come out of it, their lives are forever changed because of it. And they're not really happy at the end and mm -hmm. i liked how this film we saw the effects of the father after him being coming out of war and then that was such a motivational key point in the film that like that he didn't want to do that that right. desmond didn't mm -hmm. want to be like that person be like his father coming out of this war sure so and yeah. i think that was just a, a good point to start the movie yeah and the other thing that i appreciate about this movie did you talk about Desmond, his father, and all that? Um, there is, There was a throwback quality to this movie where, in a sense, it was a bit American jingoistic. It had the, you know, where Desmond comes from is that very Norman Rockwellian type of town. Um, the, the performance that that Andrew Garfield gives, like, because this is a movie in three parts, you know, it's, it has three acts. We've had the beginning where we meet the, we meet the family. We're in this community. Like I said, it's very Norman Rockwell-ish. And Desmond Doss is played by Andrew Garfield, had the aw shucks kind <laughs> of, you know, he just had that persona, you know, he's a nice guy, but there was also behind this, you know, we had the father who was in World War One, but we had the two sons who were 
inspired and they it was for love of country that they were enlisting you know and there were war movies that were made in the 50s and 60s that were about they were jingoistic like that it's like oh i've got to enlist you know i'm doing it for my country um and it had that those aspects i felt in this movie uh, in particular especially that first part this setup of our characters i guess if i was going to critique this movie however maybe i didn't pay attention or maybe i lost something but what happened to his brother i was wondering about the entire film i kept thinking you know oh gosh is he gonna find him on the battlefield and he's gonna save him you know i kept going like where is he where is he and even at the end of it you know i still thought well well what happened to him what i i wish they kind of would have wrapped that up a little bit and that was the only critique i saw in looking at other people's reviews of this film was that they felt like that was kind of just left open-ended and they wish that they would have seen a reunion of him and his wife in the film. I know we saw right. that at the very end with the pictures and the, the videos that they showed at the very end. But in the film, maybe him coming back to his wife or reuniting with his father in some sense. You know, just because we like to have everything kind of wrapped up nicely with a bow. That's kind of how we're... I, conditioned. I'm conditioned to, to look at films. But. I don't even look at it as wrapped up nicely in a bow. We just don't know what happened to him. Yeah, well, like, I mean, well, like, I it's mean not on the brother side. Well, but yeah. again, there, it's not even like that we have it wrapped up. He just sort of kind of disappeared. Particularly after what I felt was a very powerful scene at the dinner table when, when, when his brother came in in uniform and Hugo mm-hmm. weaving gave this very uh very impressed very well done monologue about when he was in the war and about his best buddy and things like that and he had you know he tells his son to leave and 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 the brother gets up and desmond looks up and he winked at him Mm -hmm. and it was just this one wink that that says it's okay brother Uh, you know i prove you're doing you're doing the right thing you yeah know? it was also a wink to the audience like yeah. all right i'm out <laughs> won't be back you won't be seeing me again because <laughs> you know, yeah. we, we kind of lost him there but i did read um on one of the trivia quotes um that in real life the true story that his brother actually enlisted in the navy and the uh uniform that he was wearing was an army uniform so i don't know maybe they just kind of didn't want to dive too much into that but maybe that's why we did not see him for the rest of this the story of of desmond was because his brother was you know on a different different uh area so right i mean i also questioned at the end i was like where did the whole family go not (laughs) just the brother yeah because i guess we're conditioned to once you go through a traumatic thing you want to see also Mm -hmm. a happy ending like going back to safety going back to the family you know that whole big return home and we didn't really see that because i think that kind of just reflects what happened in real life i mean he did go back home but no one really talked about it Mm-hmm. Um, but like everyone knew that he saved lives, but he himself wasn't, like, didn't really p- proclaim that. He was just the most humble guy and he didn't talk about it as much. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it'd be nice to see if we did see how the community welcomed him back after knowing what he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, and for me, it ended perfectly. Like I didn't, everything was like his, 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 his story for this part was was wrapped up nicely in what he did and 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 you know i guess maybe in another movie like i would have liked to see him come home and you know reunite with his wife and everything i think how they handled that was showing the actual desmond Doss, showing 
photos of him going home or mm -hmm. being home with his wife and talking about all that. And that to me was a very nice, you know, um, it was a nice bookend to this movie. That seems to be like a common touch when you're making a, a true story. You find the you actual people, um, you know, to talk yeah. about their experience and such. And I, and I felt that it was bookended fine. I didn't find it to be gratuitous. So for me, that that I didn't need the, the, the filmed version of his going home. I'd much rather have... The things about him getting the Medal of Honor, getting these, you know, accolades, and, and he did reunite with his wife, and he told the story, and we showed these great pictures of him. And to me, that, that I was like, okay, I was fine with it. It was tastefully done. I didn't find it gratuitous or, or exploitive um, in, in, in that yeah, that's so. that's my favorite part of movies that are based on true stories or are true stories. If they can find, you know, if the people that were actually uh, what the movie was about are still alive. I think it's fantastic when they put pictures or videos up there. It just adds so much more to it and kind of brings you back out of Hollywood land to, yeah. oh, yeah, this really happened. Like this was somebody's life. <laughs> you know, he actually did these things. So I just thought that kind of for me put the movie just above and beyond. Yeah, and, and just going back to the actual Desmond Doss, where he really he really didn't want the story to be told. And as Mel Gibson says in an interview I found on Deadline, he was like, you know, he, like he was a farmer growing his vegetables. He was very content. He never, he didn't go to the movies and he didn't feel that his life needed to be told uh, via Hollywood. And, you know, Gibson went on to say, he goes, I, I think it was part of his congregation, too, that appealed to his, his senses and... It, that it was something about that this was going to be a movie about being uh, inspirational mm -hmm. as opposed to just war is hell. And, uh, you know, Gibson thinks uh, that that sort of kind of helped them him get the the A-OK for him to get that uh, through. And, you know, I think he would have been very proud and happy and, yeah. and, and all. I of, think so, too. Yeah. You know, what it was. And I didn't think that it was over Hollywood eyesed, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, uh, well, like glamorized, it wasn't sanitized or glamorized to that, mm -hmm. to that, you know, to that point. That's a good point. I do have to say, Hugo Reaving's performance during that was phenomenal, yes. spot on like, throughout the movie. I didn't expect uh, his father, Tom Doss, to be such a key pivotal. Mm -hmm character yeah. in the first act because i mean we saw he was drunk and distraught from the, the battles of war but i didn't realize like how impactful he was mm -hmm. to desmond and i think the performance was just so well done and i wasn't expecting that yeah it was amazing uh to me uh I, in fact probably his best that i've seen him he he really had that that timber in his voice that he always had, but he had a presence, mm -hmm. and where that character's role could have been overplayed to where you really would have hated him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that the way that it was written and directed, that you might not have liked him too much, but you didn't. You sympathized. Mm -hmm. I felt. And you didn't like that he would beat his wife or he would get drunk and perhaps even beat his children, which they didn't show a lot of. But at the end of the day, you understand that this guy was suffering from a PTSD. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, the scene at the table, I thought, was very powerful. And then when he shows up, 
uh, at the court martial. Yeah. But that was a very, again, it was poignant, powerful. He shows up, delivers what he has to deliver, and then he he just leaves mm-hmm. too. He doesn't even stick around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, know. yeah, and I think I think that scene, um, you know, not only was it just so well acted, but just also the the point of the character and just that he, you know, like you said, was dealing with with really awful things and like the wife or, you know, Desmond's mom pointed out, you know, this isn't him. Who your who your dad is now is not him. And I think it just goes to show the two parallels when we're talking about what can happen from war and people that can just go so far on both ends of the spectrum as Desmond and his dad, his dad did. But yeah, I thought it was just awesome. And I also like the scene when uh, when his dad breaks down and starts crying, you know, in the big the big moment with the gun. I thought mm-hmm. that was just just so beautiful and heartbreaking, but yeah. just beautiful in that moment. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was great. And the the court scene where the father shows up that just made me like Tom Doss all even more yeah. because we see he's so torn and scarred and whatnot, and he didn't mm. he generally didn't want his sons in the in the war. But you can tell it wasn't out of bitterness. It was just like out of love. Yeah. It was out son. of love. And mm-hmm. and again, it's one of those things that this movie touches upon. It's one thing, you know, for Pant. I don't want you to go to war. Uh, you know, war is hell. But this was, he was talking from experience. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know, he's like, I know you think that what you're doing is the right thing. I understand that. I appreciate. I respect that. But let me tell you this true story behind it and what they're not telling you and how you can come back affected. And I found that to be interesting in a movie that, again, starts off a little bit jingoistic. But you had this one dissenting character, this other voice saying, you know, because in the regular Norman Rockwellish kind of war movie, it's like everybody's getting together to do their part. The women are going to make, you know, the bullets and we're going to do this and we're going to work together. But in here we had a different voice that says, I survived and these are my best friends. Mm -hmm. And I felt that that was a, you know, he, he was an integral part of this movie being a supporting character uh, in this movie. That mm-hmm. was great. That was uh, fantastic. I could see nominations for Best Supporting Actor. Perhaps, uh, yeah. Perhaps, like, you know. I definitely think he had a performance that could get nominated for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, he was very good. It'll be interesting to see coming on down the line. Um, you know, I wanted to bring up a point. You you both love the movie very much. And it's it's really interesting because, again, from this Deadline interview, Mel was asked who is re- actually responding to the film. And he said women liked it more than guys. Women liked it more than guys. And he goes on to say that, you know, he goes, the, the romance aspect. Uh, and there's something there is something endearing about Andrew Garfield's presence and performance. Mm-hmm. Um He's a nurturer, and I, you know, he believes that women gravitated towards this character um, because of he was a he was very selfless. And Mel goes on to like, as a mother might be selfless or would be selfless, and he thinks that's one of the reasons why, you know, the women liked it through all the testing, and they did two tests, and women liked it more more than men, which is interesting. I mean. I could say in the audience that I saw it, the women did actually 
respond to it and and loudly at parts um you know clapping and applauding i believe it yeah i mean you think about he was such a likable character you didn't want anything bad happening to him because he was so yeah i don't want to seem naive but like he was (laughs) like too nice of a guy in the Mm -hmm. the first act you're like how could this guy want to go to war like how can he go into such a deadly place and then you know we grew to like him so much that once he was there, we're like, we didn't want anything bad happening to him. And the fact that he was doing all these selfless things and saving people on his own, no one told him to do that, that he wanted to do that. Yeah, well, that's what he went in for. And I think it's interesting because you mentioned naive, you know, naive. like, was there a naivete about him? I mean, there's definitely an innocence about him, but his naivete could have been, hey, I signed up, I signed up to go into this war as a medic. That's what I want to do. I want to be a medic. I don't want to kill anybody. I want to help people. But yet they put him in the front lines where he had to carry a gun. And, and that's what clashed. You know, um, it would have been interesting to have at least some semblance of a scene when he was enlisting to hear somebody say, oh, yeah, don't worry. If you're going to be a, if you're going to train to be a medic, you know, you won't have to carry a gun because he did say, well, when I signed up, they said mm-hmm. I didn't have to mm-hmm. and that I don't want to. Um, yeah. So maybe there was a little bit of innocence uh, a little bit of naivete on that character's part going into it yeah but then that turned into well i'm gonna stay to my conviction and my religion and and uh and and yeah and, and continue to move forward i think there was absolutely innocence going into it and i think that a lot of times with passions we can be naive because a lot of times when we're so passionate about something it kind of over you know, or I guess encompasses everything to where we don't really see what's actually going on. And I think for me, just going back to the the part of women liking it more than men, I could see Mel Gibson's points. But for me, it was it wasn't the romance aspect of it. It wasn't um, oh, he wants to save people, and that's so great. You know, for me, it was kind of more of like a humanity standpoint, mm-hmm. where I'm like, this person is standing up. For what he believes in, he's getting beat by people, and he is still there. Still, he still is has so much passion about this that he's that he's going to do it, whether people tell him he can or he can't. You know, and just the fact that he was, you know, such a hero on so many different levels, I think that just really spoke to me. But I, I do understand what what Mel was saying, how people, you know, kind of like that side and the nurturing side of people. Mm-hmm. So. But, but yeah, back to your point on, on being naive and being innocent, you know, it seemed like absolutely going into that. He didn't know what he was really getting into. And you could kind of see that when he first gets there and he sees the bodies of, of soldiers lying on the back of the truck, you know, and his face changes and he takes his hat off and it's like, oh, wait, this is real. This is- yeah. And, and I think that was a whole trip. And that is a common trope. I mm-hmm. mean, that was a huge scene in Platoon. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's a common coming of age war story coming of age uh you know trope to see these bodies coming back to even to see the people who are still alive being so affected coming back and it's yeah. like who are those people they're like oh they're the people that are are we're, they just came you're back replacing. from the place that you're going <laughs> yeah. To. yeah and you're like oh okay yeah. um so yeah i found that to be um it was a really good scene i like how and again i don't know if that was it was like if he took his, I mean, I liked him taking his helmet off yeah. out of respect for them coming back. Um, and again, 
perfect to talk about this during Veterans Day because that's what it was. It was honoring these soldiers, yeah. uh, the living and 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 the, and the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was, you know, again, it could have fallen into cliche uh, because it has been done so many times before. But uh, I think it was uh, Gibson did it, and it was to great effect mm-hmm. over 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 cliche. That it was very well well done. Um, let's talk a little bit too about then. I want to talk a little bit about the romance. Um, you know, in this movie, uh, because again, I think it works, and I think for me it worked because there was an innocence behind the romance. Teresa Palmer as Dorothy Shutt. Uh, Shooty, yeah. Shooty. I really liked Teresa Palmer. I've oh, seen she was a lot of her movies. Um, and that's how I've known about this film for a while now because we covered Lights Out. And when she was doing promotion for that, she talked about what's her next movie, which is Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. So I, I've known about it uh, since the summer. And I think it was such a great performance. And there was an interview where Teresa was saying that she saw an old photo of the real Desmond and Dorothy no. and that they were like goofing around. Like the fact that like Desmond was wearing her dress and <laughs> and Dorothy was wearing his hat. So like the fact that they had a like a playful kind of behavior sure. with each other, Teresa was like, We have to convey this in our characters. Like yeah. we have to portray this fun side yeah. mm-hmm. to our romance. Especially in a time like that where it it's not seen as much mm-hmm. it, I, th- I feel like it's more serious type of kind of courtship back in the 40s but they had such a playful behavior well again I, I go back to me it is somewhat of a throwback kind of well like look at it's a wonderful life in the courtship that goes on like that is a fun innocent kind of a courtship that's taking place there this was a fun innocent courtship going mm-hmm. on and I liked how Dorothy was portrayed because she could be fun. She could be silly. She had that. But at the same time, she stood, she could stand around, mm-hmm. you know, when when he said, I'm enlisting, mm-hmm. you know, she gets emotional and she goes, when are you going to ask me to marry? <laughs> like, you know, it was. I, I love that scene, too. Yeah. And it only works again because of the performances and I believe the chemistry of these two. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and again, Andrew Garfield walked around and he had that grin. Like, literally, I it's I can't describe it as anything else other than the aw shucks grin. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he was able to carry it off. And one thing that Gibson said, particularly about Garfield, and I couldn't agree with him more, it's like I'm watching him going, I know he's older than the character he is portraying. You know, I know Garfield has some more years and experience under his belt, but man, he looks like he's 17, 18 years old. Like, <laughs> yeah. he played the part. And, you know, I'm sure makeup and costuming had something to do with it. But he gave the part. He played the part perfectly. I did not go, man, they 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 hired, he looks too old for the part. Yeah. He just played it so well. Uh, definitely, in my opinion, his best performance in Social Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and again, I do find his performance. You brought it up; it's it's nomination worthy, I yeah. think. 
-hmm. Garfield's performance. Yeah, I, I thought he did a fantastic job. And, you know, like you were saying, at some points to me, he was almost unrecognizable. You know, I, at some points I kind of was in the movie going, wait, that that is Andrew <laughs> Garfield, right? Like, you know, I just thought he did such a great job. And going back really quickly to Dorothy and her character, I totally agree. And one scene that really struck a chord for me was the scene at the courthouse when she, uh, uh, the dad, Bill, no, yeah, Bill, um, came up to her and said, you need to take this envelope in, you know? And she said, no, I can't go. You have to go in, you know? And I was right. thinking she, up until, you know, um, Desmond stood up, sorry, Tom, yeah. up, <laughs> and, up until uh, Desmond stood up to his dad with the gun, she oh. was pretty much the only one that's ever stood up to him, you know? And I thought that said so much about her and just about being a strong woman and being there to support Desmond, you know, and just stay there with him, I thought was awesome. I loved her. There was that scene, too, where I, I like the support from the family of Desmond mm -hmm. and of Dorothy. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's that's the other good thing. You could tell that Desmond's parents really liked Dorothy yeah. and that she was good for his life. Yeah. And I believe that, too, uh, in this movie. Um, I believe that they were good for one another, uh, and and I think in part because it wasn't overly, it wasn't schmaltzy. It could have been so syrupy, mm -hmm. but it was done just right, and I think it was performed perfectly. You know, you don't want to. You could take the aw shucks, but once it goes over that line and it becomes too schmaltzy, I don't know. You could have lost me, but I bought yeah. into that relationship, and I find that it was very important because it was her bible and picture mm -hmm. that in a kept him going mm -hmm. not not in a sense it kept him going mm -hmm. even towards the end where he's like where's my bible where's my bible yeah. you yeah. know go get it yeah i really enjoyed that and the fact that also dorothy questioned him like of his methods, uh, of his, I mean, not really, like, questioning his values, but, like, why can't you meet them halfway? Why can't right. you just, like, skate? Mm, this sounds terrible, but, like, why can't you do just the bare minimum of what they're asking just so you can, you know, go to the war? Mm -hmm. um, which, like, I think those were fair questions that yeah. the whole audience was asking. Like, yeah. I felt like she was the voice of the audience who was the uh, only one who could say that agreed. to Desmond who could get a genuine response out of him right yeah i agree a hundred percent with that and it, and it wasn't done in a sense that she wanted to turn him she's like just just meet them halfway and uh I've, again that was a really well done scene you know i think uh to mel gibson's credit uh the way that he filmed the two of them together uh really worked because you don't want to overdo it mm -hmm. because if you overdo it you can really lose interest to some of your audience all of your audience any of your audience you don't want to lose and i think the belief in this relationship um and that it's not overly melodramatic and that i actually felt like the um i'm, I'm seeing real people i wasn't seeing caricatures of people from the 40s uh, mm -hmm. i was looking at real people and i, I like the playfulness together but then i also like the seriousness of them as well. So uh, I thought that that was handled uh, extremely well. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Extremely well. I liked how, she, uh, sorry, one no, more no, thing. No. Like, I liked sure. how Teresa actually got on board with this um, this movie that she she sent her her audition video via iPhone to <laughs> her, the to the then producer, Bill Mechanic, who 
sent it to Mel, and she went all these months without hearing a response, and she just thought she wouldn't get the part. She's like, oh, I didn't hear anything. And then here, they're like, oh, Mel watched it, and he liked it. He wants to have a Skype interview with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she, uh, the day of the interview via Skype, like, all of her technology wasn't working for her, like, dead batteries here and there, and she had to go on a computer, which wasn't working. And here, Mel was waiting for, like, 40 minutes just <laughs> to talk to her, and she had, like, no makeup on. And she, she said it was, like, the, the craziest interview that she had to do because she, she was, like, super stressed and, like, nothing was working right. And somehow she still managed to get the part because Mel really liked her. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, that's that's awesome. a fun story yeah, to tell. Yeah, that that's, is. A, that's, that's a great story. And, like, yeah, 14 years it took for this. So, you know, that she had to wait a little longer. <laughs> but, little. Um, you know, I thought that she was uh, – I thought she was really. I thought she was really good. It, it, so as we're talking about casting, actually, there were one thing that too that I really appreciated about this movie was that okay, so they filled it with people that I don't readily recognize. Yes, we have Hugo Weaving, but he was playing against type to what I've normally seen in a media, and he played Mr. in a different role, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's the first thought that came and, to my and mind. And Lord of the Rings, but, but he was really good. So we see him in a little bit in a different light, but he's a supporting cast. Uh, Andrew Garfield, you know, we, we recognize, but he's the star. I get it. Um, uh, 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 Teresa... Teresa Palmer. Teresa Palmer, not a readily yet recognizable actress. You know, nothing that you go, oh, she's a big movie star. Yes, Vince Vaughn's in it for a little bit. Um, but his the rest of his company were with people that I didn't readily recognize. Rachel Griffiths as well. Yeah. But again, she wasn't my, my folk. Like, I, right. there wasn't, there, there was written, rarely an actor in this movie that took me out and said, oh, that's so-and-so from here. Like, I knew Vince Vaughn was in this. Um uh, uh, See, I didn't know Vince. Palmer I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't either. That shocked me that when I funny. first saw him, and I thought, honestly, when I first saw him on screen, I thought, oh man, because I'm not the biggest Vince Vaughn fan, and I thought it was going to turn this film into some sort of like, you know, this forced comedy in this really weird, awkward space, and I was a little bit, um, you know, bothered by that. But then it completely took the opposite direction i thought he was fantastic in this film i thought the comedy that he brought to the film was perfect and exactly what it needed and i i could say that this is my favorite vince vaughn you know movie ever because i thought he just did really great yeah i mean i did you see the i mean vince vaughn and the other person that i really enjoyed in this too was sam worthington uh, I really liked him, but they were both featured in the trailer. Yeah. Um, not not as many, but they were in the trailer. Um, you know, and I too did like Vince Vaughn as well. But the company of men that that Desmond was with, you know, I had to look it up because uh, I like that guy Luke Bracy, who was you know in Point Break. So two yeah. people saw the Point Break remake. And no offense, was in Luke. Point Break. Right, and. But I liked, I was like, who is this actor? I like this guy. You know, they weren't people that were bigger than this movie, so to speak. Like, there weren't people like, oh, this star or this. Like, I like the fact that for the most part, at least for me, there were relatively fresh faces. So I actually tended to start to care for them a little bit more Mm -hmm. so that 
when when the shit went down to me it added to the stakes because i ended up liking the performances and the characters as they were uh as they were brought to life by the actors yeah i mean i felt the same way because luke bercy he had like the most room to grow as an audience member you're like okay we don't like him but we know eventually we're gonna grow to like him in some shape or form he's gonna loosen up towards desmond mm-hmm. and then here at the end when he unfortunately dies you're like oh no uh, you know yeah, you know like so you sad. feel for him at the end you like did. and yeah. at the beginning you didn't like him but at the end you you felt for him. and right. and he could see like he was probably the first character that recognized desmond's courage Okay, and wherewithal, like on the field. And so he would cover him when they had that conversation in the foxhole. It was a great, fun conversation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And uh, I really liked it. And But once that conversation was over, I was like, yeah, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he's dead. Yeah. He's not going to make it through. I go, because they just bonded and it would be cool for conclusion. them to go off. <laughs> I was yeah. like, yeah, he's going to die. I know. I kept waiting <laughs> when that scene happened and it was, you know, that he had the first dream, Desmond did, and then the next scene happened. I thought, okay, wait, this has to just be a dream again. Wait, like, let's go back. <laughs> like, like I don't want him to get hurt. And then, of course, it Smitty. was, it yeah. was uh, real. Yeah. And yeah. Smitty. Yeah. So. Yeah, but he was really good. And again, I, I think it's a testament to the casting that they mm-hmm. found people, you know, that, because sometimes it can take away. Sometimes it can take away from a movie. And who knows whether it was budgeting but or whatnot, but I think the people that they cast for these roles, I think everybody did a really good job. Yeah. The people that we did recognize, too. Sam Worthington. Like, you know, he was really, again, outside of Avatar. It's Like, he was really good in this movie. Vince Vaughn, to your point... You know, he had that stint on uh, True Detective, which nobody liked yeah. that season. Yeah. Uh, but at least he showed some dramatic chops. What I liked about both Vince Vaughn and Sam Worthington were their turnaround was earned. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Their arcs towards Desmond mm-hmm. were earned. It wasn't just like, oh, you're a really good guy now. Like, they understood. And their characters, the way that they were written, showed that they were flawed and they even said, you know, this isn't what I thought you were talking about. And yeah. but there's no other person I'd rather serve with. Yeah, and like I, I, I did like Sergeant Howell, you know, Vince Vaughn's character, um, because at the beginning he asked all these questions like, well, "What the heck are you doing here if you're not going to fire a gun?" But then when Desmond got beat up by his guys, there was that one shot. He was like, oh, <laughs> "You, you don't deserve this." Like he actually felt for him. And it's like he's not being mean to him just to be mean. He's right. just he was just being. Dude, yeah. he was being a leader and asking those questions, but like you know that he wasn't purposely being mean. Like right. he actually truly cared about Desmond. Yeah, yeah. And he told him, you know, can you identify anybody that that hit you? You know, wanting to put punishment to those people that did it. And and like to your point, I think he he was valid to ask those questions because at a time like that, it's like, wait, you want to go protect me and have my back, but you don't have a gun. How are you going to have my back if I'm, you know? So I understand where all those questions came from but i did like the kind of how he he started turning and understanding and seeing the the human side of desmond which i like yeah and and you said it and i'm gonna expand on it too in that particular scene there was a look of sympathy on on vince vaughn's face that said look dude you don't you don't deserve this you know had it been that um remy 
the guy that was playing drill sergeants, like he was an actual drill sergeant. He was in full metal oh, full jacket. Full metal jacket. Yeah. yeah, you know the guy. You know, there's nothing sympathetic about that guy, and and, and you know, uh, but I thought that Vince Vaughn and and again Sam Worthington were like, why are you enduring this? Like, you shouldn't have to endure this. Like we. Like, it's almost like at that point, they sort of, they recognize belief, but it's like, A, try to see it from our point of view, and we don't want you to get killed. Yeah. Like, in training, you know? Yeah. Um, so I actually thought, it, it, but again, their turnarounds were earned in this movie. That was a great scene when Desmond comes to save... Um, to, to to save Vince Vaughn's character, and he lays down the thing, how? and he goes, "I'm gonna how?" And he goes, "I'm gonna pull you. Just get on that." And he's got his gun. Really well done scene, you know. I, it, those are it, it was those are the parts of the movie where, yeah, you 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 it was they were just the way they were filmed. It wasn't over actiony, and there was still the brutality going on, and it was just they they were very well done and acted. And performed, mm -hmm. and I think the casting again, I think was spot on yep. for this movie. Yeah. And that's where I think the the comedy was equally balanced because yeah, even during the basic training, we got all those you know insults, but they were still funny. Yeah. And only even Desmond was laughing. But even on the war front, when mm -hmm. he's dragging him away, he's like, "This is not the time to be yeah. you know, a hero now." Yeah, yeah, like now you actually touch a gun. So like there was still light humor and levity. Yeah. yeah. During the like, they're literally in the war zone. Yeah, so there, there's that humor balance. Right. There. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. perfect. Yeah, and and I think needed. Definitely you know, like, needed. You know, it's it, and again, it's it's sort of rare in a war movie to 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 find some humor, mm -hmm. um, but but this movie balanced it very well. And and again, I'm gonna go to acting. I'm gonna go to the writing, and and I'm gonna you know have to toss it to Mel Gibson for his directing mm -hmm. uh, as well. So um, the other thing, too, we have to talk about is the battlefield, the battlefield of this Hacksaw Ridge. Now, me personally, I've heard uh, many a time people are comparing it to, uh, you know, the storming of Normandy Beach in Saving Private Ryan, right. you know, and, and Private Ryan is a brutal movie, um, a very intense movie. I, now, I found that. Okinawa, Hacksaw Ridge. You know, I, I don't put it. It's very good. It was very brutal. Um, and and but to an extent, too, it was, it was done artfully. I mean, there were shots that, that Mel did, especially with fire and people flying. Like, he did it. He took a different kind of approach. And I think he succeeds because he makes his... He makes Hacksaw Ridge look a little bit different than Saving Private Ryan, you know. And and Mel Gibson always, when you look at Braveheart, okay, Braveheart, right. those are blunt, pointy instruments. Like a Patriot. No, no less brutal. Yeah, but Patriot, he didn't he didn't direct Patriot. No, he didn't. But, but like, Braveheart yeah, yeah. is very brutal in its violence, okay. Mm -hmm. And this movie was very brutal, but there were shots that were coming where it almost looked like the camera was above the gun as it's going through, and people are like, Flipping and flopping left and right, and the bullets mm -hmm. are coming out. Scenes with the flamethrower, and what you know, he did it 
in a brutal yet it still was like artful way he had he had his he had his cake and he ate it too because it's a dichotomy there you know savagery shouldn't be necessarily artful but yet it was still savage and and gory but though again to his testament a lot of the women that can turn off blood guts and gore and there, there was a plenty in this movie but it didn't i know in my audience uh, no not at all he stuck with this movie i thought they were filmed perfectly he certainly did and like what i found out that was interesting the uh, for the cinematography aspect of it uh the barry robinson who was the production designer for this film he and his team created a nine by 12 foot model of the ridge of the battlefield and then you know the rest everything else was on a soundstage but they actually built like the the place of where they shot everything for yeah battle for you know hacksaw yeah and and i like that uh gibson you know did they used a little bit of cg here and there but pretty much every explosion that happened like it was all pyrotechnics um they were yeah people things were getting blown up people were set ablaze um you know and and but to to gibson's credit too uh you know when asked what was what was the big challenge of staging all of this and to him his first words was safety Mm -hmm. i had to maintain safety i knew Mm -hmm. what i wanted to film and um you know safety then he was asked even further it's like well how is it working on the budget? And I was like, well, if I had a bigger budget, he goes, I had these insane ideas in my mind to do. He goes, but with the budget that I was given, which they're saying was an estimated $40 million. Um, you would not have thought so, this movie was made on $40 million. No, no, no he not. did a fantastic job. Yeah. And I, you know, he didn't have to go insane. I think what, how he filmed it. I agree. I'm glad he didn't have a bigger budget because I think if he if he would have done all of these crazy wacky things, it would have taken away from the the true point of the story. I thought that the battle scene, all of it, was shot like you said, very artfully. Right. Um, I I never felt that it crossed the line or got too intense or too crazy. To me, it made it very real. It made it made me say like, this is like this. I feel I feel like I'm here. I feel like I'm actually there watching all of this happen i thought it was awesome yeah and some of it i mean i felt as if i was at normandy beach in saving private ryan there were certain scenes in this that were from a cinematography standpoint the way they were shot you know i didn't again it was just his blending which is fine because um i mean when the when it happened there were those two soldiers talking one guy gets his face completely blown off and then the other guy gets his head more or less blown off and then i was like okay and so it begins yeah but it wasn't just focusing on the that kind of grossness i mean Mm -hmm. he was able to use his camera and i in a very smart way whether it was probably due to budgetary constraint but he was able to, to to keep the action going he didn't have to be overly gratuitous could have been gratuitous he's not a peter berg Okay, mm, yeah. Peter Berg, I've said this before, you know, uh, lone survivor guy, good director, it's all fine, but subtlety is not in, in his, his lexicon, mm. where I think Mel showed that I'm going to, much like in Passion of the Christ, which is also another brutal movie, mm-hmm. 
a very brutal movie, but he does it. He's able to film it in which it can almost be accepted by by audiences. They'll, they'll watch it, and where they might cringe, they might not slide all the way down to the bottom of their seats because it's too intense. He was it was very intense. It was well shot. Um, you know, I liked how their pyrotechnics. Uh, they called it. Uh, they call it steel rain, or the Japanese people call that steel rain when that fire um, just coming all over the place. Yeah, it was, yeah. They call it steel rain because it's first yeah. used in napalm. Yeah, which is interesting. And uh, yeah, they they squirted the guys down with petrol and stuff because it was that bad. Yeah. Um, which I mean, it's it looks scary, and especially the guy who was carrying the pack that was filled, and then when he exploded, I'm like, yeah, oh, that was crazy. That like it went everywhere. Yeah, I know. Yeah. At first, I was thinking like seeing him use it. I'm like, okay, if I was ever in a war and I had to carry a weapon, like that's the one I would want. But then after what happened to him happened, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna pass. <laughs> I'm gonna pass on the flamethrower. But yeah, maybe you don't want that, that big target. Yeah, that, well, but yeah. that's a, again, that was another thing. I was like going, yeah, okay, I know where this is going. Like, it, yeah. it's like, okay, yeah, there we go. That's how we, you know, but yeah. it was, oh my God, that, that scene when there were, were the Japanese soldiers were all coming out from underground yeah. like a swarm of bees like that scene was crazy and, and that was the first thing they saw in the morning yeah, yeah. waking up to yeah. that i know it felt like yeah. like a what was that world war z when like yeah. everyone's rushing you and trying to kill you and you're like ah oh, what well, do i do i want to talk about i want to talk a little bit about hacksaw ridge again um it's you know they had to drive to it, and then they had to climb, mm-hmm. okay? So I thought it was interesting that, like, okay, so they got to climb this net. This is something that they learned in basic, okay? Mm-hmm. But you have to climb a ridge. Like, they couldn't drive up to this ridge, mm-hmm. okay? And to overtake this, you have to climb up. And I'm, I was thinking, geez, like, what's to keep the Japanese from just, like, Cutting as as, down. Yeah, as soon as everybody, as soon as the head pops up, you just cut everybody down. I thought there would be more or, of that, but it was more like, we're gonna lure you in. Yeah, like we're gonna get you all in. It won't take care of you that way. It was, it was very fascinating because, and I also like the dichotomy, like because there was such a difference between what it was like on the bottom of the ridge, mm-hmm. and once you get to the top of the ridge, the atmosphere completely changes. We go from like almost sunny beach. You know, his safety, safety. To danger. Mm-hmm. Yep. To, yeah. And, yeah. And you got that instantly from production design, from the smoke or the fog and, you know, where where, where is this? And I like that aspect of this movie, uh, like, a lot. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, <clears throat> just watch, you know, looking at the whole scene, what is keeping, uh, you know, the enemy from just cutting down the net? And so nobody can come up there. But then... You know, knowing that they are trying to lure them in and saying, like, okay, we're going to, like, almost funnel you. Like, it was, like, 300, you know, where they're like, we're going to make you come here and where you're more vulnerable, and then we're going to keep just picking you off. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just really shocking to me because, you know, obviously to see that type of a war, that type of a scene is... You know, we don't see too often. So. Yeah, and it, but but I think too the the that that ridge is very like symbolic. I mean, symbolic in the way of you got to go up. But how am I going to get these men to safety? Like, 
it's 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 another hill to overcome in a sense and getting the men down and and having one man I mean, it just makes that task that much harder, that more difficult, because you just can't, like, bring them over to safety and drop them off in an ambulance. Right. He had to, with a mm-hmm. rope and tie it and let, you know, lower them down in a way. Um, you know, it was, again, yet another insurmountable odd in, in having to deal with in what was already an impossible situation. For these men, yeah, and he did it over and over, exactly over again. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, and you, you see him struggle the first time, but like the fact that he did that like seventy-five times. Yeah, yeah. wow. I know. I think that just speaks to his character of who he is. The mm-hmm. fact that yeah, he was going out and saving these people, but then taking it to the next step and, and lowering them on a rope, you know. And if this wasn't a true story. I would have looked at that and said, oh, come on, like, that that one, it really happened. But right. just the fact that it did, I think, is just astounding and just, again, speaks to Desmond Doss and, and yeah. who he was. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. So, um, and again, Andrew Garfield, too, points out that one of the things that really stuck with him in taking the role was that it was a war movie where spirituality inspiration was front and center um over you know and and it really was when you think of it above and beyond all else you know i said it at the top we've seen it in many a movie that war is hell we know that war is bad and what it can do to a person oliver stone has made a career out of showing us ptsd things from born on the fourth of july platoon movies such as that you know, here was a movie where, yes, war is hell, but perseverance, courage, faith, inspiration can also be born from this hell. And good things, while there is death and carnage around me, um, some, this, this Desmond Doss comes and shows that, you know, he can rise above, in a sense, you know. Uh, which is very interesting take on a war movie, uh, I think. Mm-hmm. So. It is. I liked how like you can clearly tell the differences in in the acts of this movie. Like it looked visually so distinct from each other, mm-hmm. um, from you know the the ridge to the home base, or like when in the first act when where Desmond grew up, like mm-hmm. and there was actually they converted an Australian town to look like Virginia. Right. They they had to put like up all these different signs to make it look quote-unquote American. Right. <laughs> so they said that was a big challenge for yeah. them. But it, I couldn't have tell. No. no I no. couldn't tell. And again, to me, that was that piece of Americana that, that, that is sort of throwback that we do see in those older war movies. And, and again, from production design to editing, uh, cinematography, uh, everything brings this movie and the three parts. I mean, they are three distinct parts in this movie. Um, you know, and each one has its own distinct look and or feel. And colors, and colors. Well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And even the acting changes. You know, even the acting. You know, the acting to me changes a lot. Andrew Garfield at the beginning of the movie, it's, as as opposed to when he's actually in the thick of things, completely different man. He even looks different. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. physicality wise, whether you know, not just from the training, but he looks he looked older. Mm-hmm. So more was, mature. He looked more, more mature. Yeah, you know, life in doing experience. this, which is very yeah. interesting to me. 
Uh, mm. One more cool thing that I thought was interesting during the research that they actually filmed the the war scenes first, mm-hmm. and then the whole family being in Virginia at that time um, last. They did all the the dramatic parts last. So you, you know, movie magic, how things yeah. always shooting out of order. Right. Like I, I found that cool. And it makes sense too because I think you'd want to get your hardest stuff. Done. Your most technical, hardest stuff done out of the way so you can work on piecing it where mm-hmm. your softer tones and, and, and non, let's call it special effects, um, you know, need to take into place. But it is fascinating because there has been a trend that we've doing the show that we've seen where some movies are have been shot actually chronologically, mm-hmm. whether it's for setting purposes or not. But um, yeah, I think filming it in that way talking about budgetary reason why it's due seems to sort of kind of make sense you know and it is the magic of editing and putting a movie together um and it's fascinating like how an actor too is going to have to perform starting off this way and then change cadence Mm -hmm. in order to do the first part of that movie because they're so different Mm. you know right um so yeah i think uh to your point too it makes this movie timely um, you know, and it'll be interesting to see what time does to this movie, uh, in a sense. Um, I think you could watch this movie any time of the year, honestly. Yeah, like, yeah, no, I, no, I do too. Yeah. And I wasn't even, I'm just like saying, how will time, you know, uh, how will, how will time continue to, like, what, how are we going to be going into, uh, Oscar season? What are we going to, what are we going to see? I mean, one thing that we haven't really talked about that I think bears at least a little bit of discussion is this is Mel Gibson's first movie in 10 years. And whether or not Mel wants to talk about seriously, like why 10 years? Um, mm-hmm. I find it very, I find it very interesting. Um, to say that Mel Gibson some years ago had a meltdown is an understatement. I'm not going to, like, that's for all the public to see and hear. Um, I think what is interesting is it was a meltdown uh, that Hollywood executives, like Hollywood executives and actors said, I am never going to work with that man again. Never. Like, I'm not working with him. And... You know, all you know, all all it need take is well, one good movie, one very good movie. I mean, when you look at Robert Downey's career, and their meltdowns are a little bit different. Right. Robert Downey's was was drug related, and he had something to overcome. Uh, Mel Gibson can apologize, saying, "Well, you know, eight double tequilas, whatever, doesn't necessarily that doesn't excuse behavior." But now he seems to be sort of kind of sitting back up. Uh, you know, in the cat seat again. Like he's he's being. It, it's interesting. Like there seems to be like that 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 Hollywood forgiveness. Just make me one really good movie that's going to make me some money, get some really great reviews, potentially get me nominated for an Academy Award. And oh, okay, Mel, like we'll look you're past back, it. Well, yeah. you're back into the fold. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the Hollywood hypocrisy in a sense. And he did really make a good movie here. Mm-hmm. Um, he did. You know, and, and there's no denying it. I'm just, you know, we 
you were talking about it before we, we, we set in here, we were talking about the grosses. And thus far, we're looking at a domestic gross. It hasn't opened up overseas yet, but we're looking at a domestic gross um, of about almost 20 million. Almost 20 million all in it. It, it was number three over the weekend um, where it did 15 million. It's opened up on uh, like widest release. It's 2,971 locations. Okay. Um, it's just very interesting. I mean, right now at 20, let's it's 19.9. So I'm just going to call it 20 million. Uh, I think word of mouth on this movie, you you yeah, said I've been already. telling everyone. You've been telling everybody. <laughs> you know, Rotten Tomatoes, it's got an 86%. It's really okay. high to Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. It's high. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, 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 it's high. 86 is a good number. Um, cinema score audiences are, are liking it. It's an A. Uh, and I think once they start, I mean, I think it's a good time to release because now we're starting to eke into the holidays. I mean, Thanksgiving's going to be around the corner. If Lionsgate plays their cards right, it'll continue a momentum where, okay, maybe it won't ever be like the number one movie. However, it'll sustain and remain to be in the top five. Like it'll hang on. And then if it does get accolades, you know, more accolades and say some award type of attention, that'll be. You know, that'll keep it hanging around at least through Christmas. You know, I'm sure that's the hope. And you were also saying this movie isn't a worldwide release. It's, no, not it's yet. only in limited places here in Los Angeles we were able to see it, but across the country other people haven't. Well, I haven't seen it, but I mean, I wouldn't say 22,900 is, is limited. Like if they had yeah. gone 1,500, I mean, they, they opened it They opened it wide, not doctor strange wide yeah, but they worldwide. opened it, but not worldwide but but domestically they, they 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 put their best foot forward and they released it wide here and it'll eventually get its 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 foreign theatrical run as well so it'll be interesting to see there i i guess what i'm going to what i want like 20 million thus far is i think highly respectable mm-hmm. so far mm-hmm. for a war movie uh that's going up against comic book movies, uh, family animated movies. Uh, going on down the pike, we're going to see wizarding movies. You know, right. I think it has the potential to, to stay in there. I just wonder, will this be like the like, will this be the forgiveness that 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 like will is, you know, Will the people forgive? Will it be above and beyond? Or will the taint of what happened maybe sort of set up a wall um, to him maybe receiving awards or, 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 or getting nominations? Look, sometimes Scandal, look at Schwarzenegger's career. Scandal pretty much torpedoed a lot of his career. Okay, very hard. He hasn't really overcome that yet. Mel Gibson, he took 10 years off. He's back in the director's chair. And people are now throwing him praises. Where well, the thing decade, is, is like, yeah, the thing is, like, what happened wasn't a deter on his filmmaking aspect. It wasn't a deter on his acting choices or his directing choices. It was just him as a person. Mm-hmm. And, like, yes, he made another film. 
that that may not change who he is as a person and what people remember what he's capable of but people know he's a good filmmaker people yeah. know he's a yeah. good storyteller mm-hmm. and right. Just because he had those incidents doesn't affect how he actually works. You can love the career, but not the man. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, well, can you? Because again, I'm only gonna I throw some, out there because no, I think some people can. He like, said you some can, pretty harsh stuff. No, some, I know, you know, but exactly, but like you can love the work, but not the man. Yeah. Like that happens with a lot of people. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Woody Allen continues to work, but his movies don't bring in twenty million dollars in the opening weekend. And such. Same can be said about Roman Polanski. Um, you know, it's it's just very interesting uh, because I do find that Hollywood can be very forgiving if you have an accolade type of a hit movie. Um, my only suggesting uh, towards Mel Gibson would be: Would you just shave that beard? <laughs> shave that 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 scruffy grizzly Adams. What are you talking about? It's November. Beard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You gotta wait till December for that. You know what? He did not. Grow that beard no, I know. in November. <laughs> so, um, no, it's, it's not you know, I mean, he's but... doing his due diligence and, and he's going out there and, you know, he's he's doing his interviews. He's pushing his movie. I think he's doing a really good job at that. I, I would just say mm-hmm. he can't be upset if that past is brought up in an interview. I think they're very valid questions, but, you know, he seems to get very touchy when you talk about that. Regardless, you know, he still made a very good movie with a good cast of people, a good cast of producers, uh, and in a studio that was willing to take a risk. I mean, yeah. let's face it, you would be taking a risk in trying to re- in releasing a Mel Gibson movie. Jodie Foster's taken that risk. Um, you know, there were, there were some people who stood beside him, and he had some really good friends, I think. He's fortunate. He had some good friends along the way that stood behind him and kept him working, kept his creative juices flowing. I think this was a project that was, especially after A Passion of the Christ, which I, I believe he's going to be making a sequel. Mm. I believe that this was the right choice for him to do, mm-hmm. you know, right. I think. I mean, he could have maybe done a lethal like, weapon movie. Also, the right time, right story to do it. Yeah, like he he came, he could have done any movie from here and up until ten years ago, but like he chose this one. So you can definitely tell, like, there was a story, there there was the characters, there was passion behind this film that he really wanted to do it. Right. Absolutely, and it was uplifting and yeah. inspirational at the end of the day. Yeah, and he knew what worked for him, like in the past, like. This again, it is a very faith based movie, and that is what drove a lot of Passion of the Christ. And that's what he marketed, that's what he interviewed, um, a lot. And so, in a sense, it's somewhat of his wheelhouse. And this movie is very much like that. And the symbolism, like when, when Desmond was being mm-hmm. when he's in the stretcher, yeah, he's yeah. coming down, and the light, and the yeah. you know. It all, it, it hits you over the head, but it doesn't hit you over the head. Like it was okay, I get it, but that's what Mel Gibson brings to the project. He yeah. Lives. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was beautiful though. I did like, too. Yeah, was, I totally told, no, like totally could tell what he was doing. Absolutely. But I, I just like the message at the end because mm-hmm. he spent this whole time saving all the guys, and now they're the ones who are saving him. Yeah, yeah. and 
apparently too, because he stayed in the army for I believe two more years mm -hmm. after this, and and he was heroic and saved many other people outside of Hacksaw Ridge. But too, in the research that I had done, I found it interesting that his barracks life, his training life, his being with his company was a hell of a lot worse than what was portrayed in the movie. And Mel Gibson, um, yeah, he's like, he was amazed when he researched and found, he goes, it was way worse than I was able to portray or wanted to portray. He goes, because if I, he said, if I left it in there, I would have lost audiences because audiences, because it was apparently it was really bad. The beatings that this guy took, the indignity that he took. He goes, I would have audiences really would have thought he was crazy, mm. like for, for, for doing this. He goes, I had to show something, but there was no way he said I could have shown everything. all everything that happened to him while he was mm. with this company because yeah. it was way worse than he could have portrayed. Yeah. So I found that interesting. I think he got the message across, though, you know, with, with what he did show. I think mm -hmm. we all understood, you know, yeah. what was going on there. But Yeah. And it was a well-paced movie, too. Mm -hmm. For a movie that goes a little over two hours, um, you know, I found I was wrapped. It was, I was in, outside of the intensity, even the beginning. The, like, I was well, I was well brought into this story from beginning to end, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so I, 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 I was not bored by this movie. Uh, you know, so what, what did you folks think about pacing? And such? did you feel that it was too long? Or? No, no. I knew going in, somebody had told me that had seen it before, that it was, um, you know, an, a movie that was over two hours. So I was expecting, like, oh, my gosh, am I going to get in there and just sit there? <laughs> when is this going to be over? But I didn't think that at all. You know, I, I, I never felt like um, like it was dragging on at, on any scene. And I think that's partly because of what we were watching. And, mm -hmm. and you know, it's like I, I, I was involved the whole time from start to finish. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I ne it never died for me because I think that, again, there was the balance of humor that mm -hmm. I enjoyed every act. Um, but, like, I liked how each act had a different feel to it. Mm -hmm. Like, the first one was fun and light, and the second one, it kind of got more dramatic with the family aspect and the, the military training. And then the third, where you were just, like, so engrossed mm -hmm. in everything being so overwhelming, how could you not watch it? Yeah. yeah. And I, I think they were, it was just an equally balanced all around. Yeah. Let me ask: Would you would you agree uh, that there's very little fat to be trimmed? Like I, you know, because no. that's one of the things that I think about of a movie: could something be trimmed, maybe changed, whatever? And when I walked out of this, and I was giving this movie a lot of thought, yeah, there wasn't for me, anyways. There wasn't a lot of there wasn't any real fat I, to be trimmed off this movie that I can think that they could have saved time here, or this didn't make sense outside of the brother being unexplained, <laughs> which might have added, yeah. Like a, a minute or two, but, like, but outside of that, I I really can't think of anything that that was displaced in this movie. Right, but yeah. even the brother like showed just the character who Desmond is. Like he he built that competitive personality. Like he overcame challenges. You know? mm -hmm. Like he could stand up for himself because he saw that whole fight at the beginning. Right. Yeah. So like you know that Desmond can handle himself sure. thanks to always being with someone who com constantly challenged him. Absolutely. And even like the the hikes. When he went on with his brother and with Dorothy, it's like you know he has the physical capability yeah. of climbing and yeah. 
and you know hey he has the physical strength and stamina to yeah. endure what he was going to go through through the war there's like so many different qualities in every sure. act that you mm-hmm. just understood what desmond was capable of absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah, so that's a good way to put it. yeah so, all right well there we go we were talking hacksaw ridge hopefully uh Hopefully, uh, our dear audience, you you agree. Uh, and if you disagree, please let us know. Um, so as we're wrapping things up, any final thoughts uh, for, for, from you, Marissa? I love this film. I might see it again in my tight schedule that I have. <laughs> um, but I, it's so good, and I will buy this. Yeah. I would definitely buy this. Yes. Yes, I agree. I thought it was just fantastic. Again, I can't, like, I'm still just overwhelmed by what one man accomplished and was capable of and just the story behind it, I thought, is so inspiring. Um, loved it. Absolutely loved it. See, Emily, isn't it? Isn't it, isn't the show a lot different when you actually like a movie? <laughs> <laughs> different movie than together, last right? week. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I just like that it was a bit of a different take. Uh, that this wasn't necessarily just a war movie. Um, uh, I do like that it was a true story. Um, I, I, I appreciated the performances uh, highly. I'll be, it'll be very interesting uh, going from here forward, see what other kind of what other movies are going to be coming out and how the movie is going to fare once we get up to the ever important in this business, the award season. Mm-hmm. So, um, obviously, you know, it's nomination worthy uh, in many aspects, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I believe. So, um, technical and acting. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Heck, even writing. And, and, you know, when you think about what Mel Gibson was able to uh, accomplish with, with, with not the means that he might have been used to, say, 10 years ago, um, you know, pulled it off. I think he pulled it off very well. Uh, so, uh, you know, he, he made he made us a good movie to go watch. So, um, well, ladies and gents, uh, stay with us at Anatomy of Movie on the Popcorn Talk Network because we've got so many other movies coming out this holiday season to watch. Uh, they could be great. They could be not so great. They could suck. But we're going to be there together with you to celebrate, commiserate. We have movies like Doctor Strange um, that we're going to talk about later today. We're also going to do... Uh, 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 fantastic fantastic beasts. beasts and where to find them, which you can't wait for. Um, you know, we've got the holiday season coming up. We got Arrival. We got Passengers. Uh, Star Everything. Wars Rogue One. We have so many movies to talk about and have you as part of our discussion. We thank you very much for giving us your time, tuning in. Uh, please be part of the discussion. If you see us on YouTube, give a comment. Uh, let us know what you thought of the movie. Um, so it's very much appreciated and it is paid attention to, most importantly. So until next time, thank you folks for watching. I'm Dimitri from Anatomy of a Movie at the Popcorn Talk Network. We'll see you at the movies later on. Bye. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff, we would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.